0: And gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat podcast, your weekly information dump on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is
1: Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us today on a fine October the 24th, 2023. This is episode 406 of the Media Book Podcast, and yeah, like you said, all of those things, news, thoughts, new releases, all of the above, just for you and your listening pleasure.
0: Yes, so we have a lot to talk about, and we we're did. actually going to switch up the order because we have a lot to talk about, and we're going to give you all our thoughts and information dump first, meaning we're not going to do the music section, we're going to go right into video games, and we start with... New releases, yes. Uh, beginning with Cities, Skylines 2 for the PC. If you did not play Skylines 1, there is a video tutorial of what you missed, so you can catch up for Skylines 2. That's good. Uh, there's also Cry Machina uh, for the PC, PS4, PS5, and Switch. Lord of the Rings, it return to Moria. For the pc and ps5 uh metal gear solid colon master collection volume one for the pc ps5 xbox series x and nintendo switch uh, this also as when we announced it does indicate that there will eventually be a volume two <laughs> down the road maybe uh we also have coming out this week ghost runner 2 for the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. And then your big releases of the week. We have your sports game, EA Sports UFC 5 for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. We also have Alanoic 2 for the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. And then we got your Christmas present coming early (laughs) in Just Dance 2024. For the PS5 Xbox Series X, but let's all be serious. You're all gonna play it on the Nintendo Switch.
1: Is that speaking from experience? Have you received a copy of Just Dance for Christmas before?
0: Um, I may or may not have both given and received <laughs> a copy of Just Dance. Well, there you go. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> I can either confirm nor deny you can speculate that uh well you speculate of my gift givings.
1: <laughs> Except you can because you just confirmed it. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get into some video game news. Yeah. We start with a little story, a molecule of a story.
1: Well, not for the people who got affected by it.
0: No, Media Molecule, the creators of developers behind Dreams and more famously, Little Big Planet, have unfortunately decided to lay off about 15 to 20% of its current staff. Sports Illustrated, uh, GLHF, says the studio held an internal meeting um, today and told staff that it plans to lay off around 20 of its 135 employees. The news comes a month after Media Molecule ended support for Dreams, which was released in early access in April of 2019, before officially launching in February of 2020. In an article posted on the game's official website earlier this year, the studio explained that it had, quote, made the difficult decision to discontinue live support for Dreams after September 1st of 2023, which was about a month and a half ago, almost two months at this point. Uh, to shift our focus to an exciting new project. So from the sounds of it, it seems like any developer that was working on Dreams was fortunately part of the staff layoff.
1: Yeah, so this is pretty common practice in game studios. Uh, Often when development on a project ends and a new project is getting started, you will see layoffs. That's pretty expected at this point. I think the only reason why this is fake news is because Media Molecule during the ramp up to Dreams and during Dreams development had actually expanded quite a bit. Uh, I think the intention at the time was so that way they could have two teams working in tandem on different projects. But for whatever reason, uh, that never really happened. Uh, Part of that might be because of Dreams. Dreams didn't really take off in the way that they thought it would. It was not nearly the success that I think Sony was expecting it to be. I guess this project that they're willing to kind of move away from as fast as possible to tackle whatever the next thing is. And it sucks because Dreams seemed like a really cool game. Um, everybody who actually played it was involved in the Dreams ecosystem, seemed to be really impressed with the tool set, what you could do in there, but it didn't have the word of mouth like little big planet did, and it didn't quite get the critical cachet either. And so yeah, medium is just ready to move on from it.
0: I wonder why it never like, actually took off. It's just because it never... The people who did like it and liked the creating stuff in it were already over at Roblox and Minecraft?
1: I mean, Roblox definitely... Uh, Roblox existing uh, definitely makes something that's not a free-to-play experience a little harder to sell. Mm-hmm. Additionally, um, you see the release date there. It came out in February of 2020. It wasn't going to have an Animal Crossing-style word of mouth juggernaut situation it just wasn't ever set up to to succeed in that way and so yeah uh it's disappointing i agree like because i feel like the tool set and what it, you could do in dreams is really impressive but it just never became
0: the thing that we all hoped it would be yeah i mean i think yeah that um initial price point getting into dreams i think blocked a lot of people in what could have been it is essentially a free creator and then you pay to play other people's creations
1: yeah hey at least now we know though a lot of those talented people are probably going to be snatched up by other studios and do great things elsewhere which could be exciting
0: so dreams too <laughs> yeah wait no. wait. what's the opposite of dreams nightmares, nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> or, or lucid <laughs> is this is right studio right called lucid yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, uh, let's yeah. get to our second story. Yes, uh, where it's one of our favorite times of the year. <laughs> um, awesome games done quick speed running event at the beginning of the year.
1: But we have a uh, first.
0: Yes, so we've had people play two players one controller. We've had one player two controllers. We've had uh, the use of the bongos. From uh, Donkey Kong. We've had people play things blind, but now we have one playing with four paws. <laughs> because in a first, a dog, that's right, a dog will compete in the next uh, Awesome Games Done Quick event this upcoming January. In a post on Twitter X, which was spotted by IGN speedrunner JSR, Um, Which is spotted by IGN, Speedrunner JSR posted an announcement video, which revealed that his Shiba Inu named Peanut Butter (laughs) will be appearing at AGDQ 2024, speedrunning the NES game Gyromite. Uh, This happened because Peanut Butter's owner uploaded a video of the dog speedrunning the game earlier this year using a special paddle controller. The dog surprisingly, completed (laughs) the NES game in 25 minutes and 30 seconds.
1: So in case anybody doesn't know what Gyromite is, this is one of two games for the Nintendo Entertainment System that was played with Rob the Robot, the robotic operating buddy that came with the original set of the NES here in the U.S. And the robot literally, upon your button presses, will... Move his little hand grabber hands to a stack of circles that are stacked on a like a pole and move them from one place to another. Um, that's basically the gameplay of Gyromite. So, what they've done here is they've rigged up a paddle controller that the dog could press with his little doggy paws to control Rob's actions. Um, I have not seen this dog in action, but I would love to. That sounds adorable, and I love the idea that. I love the sentence that he will attend, which means he'll be there in person. I hope, which will be amazing. <laughs> uh, just see this dog in front of an audience. You know how, like the audience at the, at games done quick, goes crazy for anything. They're mm-hmm. going to go crazy for this dog. Guarantee. This is going to yes. Be
0: but you know what the say show is Don't work with kids or animals. So <laughs> we'll see if the dog can perform under pressure. Well, speed running is a different different thing. I think it's gonna be fine.
1: I think the it's, dog will
0: do well. Speed running is its own kind of pressure, but hey, <laughs> uh, I mean, I hope he gets like a primetime slot. So yeah, yeah, see I a hope, dog speed run. Yeah, I hope he beats <laughs> his record personally. Let's beat you know, that like, PR. No, I want it to be a uh, a two million dollar goal. You hit two million dollars, you see the dog speed run. <laughs> Uh, regardless, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Alright. Uh. Yeah. Well, while, we, while we'll watch a dog play <laughs> games, we have been indulging in quite a bit of games. so why we started with video games first.
1: Yes, it is that time of year, folks. The games are coming out. And we played a couple of the super big ones, but before we get to those big temple first-party console-exclusive releases, Uh, Let's have a little party. I understand you've played the newest Jackbox.
0: That's right. Jackbox X or 10 has officially been released. Um, There's been a bunch of playtests over the past month, a lot of invite onlys uh, and special games. But hey, the pack is here. The pack is out. You can now play the pack. And as we've said on this podcast plenty of times, Jackbox Party Packs, typically it's in every other kind of pack, which is a good one. (laughs) And that more or less kind of rings true here. So there's five games. Um, You get Fixie Text, TKO2, which is your drawing game. What? Yes, there's a TKO2. I did not know this. Do Re Mi, which is a rhythm game. Time Jinx, which is your um, trivia game. And then Hypnotorious, which is your uh, masked uh, deception game.
1: I need to know. Tell me everything about TKO 2.
0: So TKO 2 sets up very similar to TKO from Jackbox 3 or 4. Yeah, 3. So it's finally getting a sequel. (laughs) Yeah, it's finally getting a (laughs) sequel. And it's a drawing game, three to eight players. Roughly takes about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, What they've done instead is that instead of having different rounds, you just get the entire block to draw your three drawings.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So you can spend as much time as you want on one drawing or as much time as you need for three drawings, but you have your entire block set initially to create those initial three drawings. And then similar to TKO fashion, you create your own slogans and then they go to people and you can swap um, different yeah. designs, uh, drawings with the different slogans. But they've added a third layer where you can change up the shirt style
1: because you can have a shirt,
0: Ooh. you can have a tank top, which is what I'm wearing here, or you can make, even make it a hoodie. Oh my God. Uh, but the voting is still the same. Two shirts go up against each other. You choose for the one you like, and it moves on. Uh, it does seem to move a bit faster, but I do really like that the, uh, the um, new mechanic of drawing at your own speed is really helpful um, because unlike yeah. the first game where it was here's your first drawing if you don't hit submit it's gone it's gone or yeah. actually it rolls over but you lose that opportunity to submit it for round one yeah so here you get the entire block for it cool all it's
1: right really what about the other games any of the new ones uh strike your fancy this this time around uh
0: i kind of liked Fixity text um it's a texting group texting game a writing mm-hmm. game where yeah. Uh, you're split up into two teams and you each get the same prompt and you're each editing the same field. And the goal is to write and create the most absurd word or sentence um, in response to the text. So basically, you're fixing the text. <laughs> fixing yeah. text, but in a group setting. Um, So I, it's, it's cool and that's kind of a collab writing game, but I don't like that When it comes to scoring, you only pick per word and not like per sentence. And the words that you do choose aren't like thrown into like an end text style, similar Mm. to a job job where like all the best words are thrown together and then you can create your own sentence at the end. That's kind of gone here. There's no like true final around. It just kind of feels like it just ends. Mm. So it is a quick game. Um, But I do... The one thing, like, gem of it is the chaos collab of writing unique, insane words. Just, like, keep adding adjectives or adverbs or prefixes and suffixes to words to combine to make a monstrosity of a word. (laughs) But that's about the only fun part of it. Um, Time Jinx is your uh, trivia game based on the time period. So, much in the same way that bracketeering, not bracketeering, um, what was it, gaspionage hmm. lets you put a number between one and a hundred of a percentage. Yeah. This gives you a range of date and say, when did this happen? Sometimes it's like general knowledge of stuff that happens. Sometimes like, I have no idea when um, like the golf ball was hit on the moon. Like, I know it's was 1969, but Sometime after that. <laughs> or it's like when was Eiffel Tower, Tower When was the Eiffel Tower elevator first started? Mm. I don't know, but it gives you a date range. And it's like, okay, somewhere in between here. So there's that. Um, it's kind of fun, but it's also like super hard and super specific because if you're it only counts the points towards whoever was the first two that are closest. Anyone outside of that range basically loses out on points, so it's not kind of a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. But also, if you don't know that much general knowledge, it's just an easy game to be like, well, I'm out of this after the first round. Okay, bye. What's the next one? And just kind of like, tune out. Yeah. Uh, The other one I want to really call out, uh, besides Hypnotorious, which is the deception game of trying to, like, decide and decipher who is who based on the clues that you're given, Mm -hmm. is Do-Re-Me. They actually made a rhythm game for streaming.
1: Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work.
0: Right. You think you don't know how (laughs) that works because you have to, um, you know, have the delay in terms of pressing a button between here and the prompt. But what they do smartly is they do a tutorial, a mandatory tutorial to calibrate Mm. your phone and your player to the game that's smart so after you do the calibration the forced tutorial then you play the game of uh it's a, a musical rhythm game and really smart really like it and it's a bunch of birds singing <laughs>
1: uh so
0: they all all the different tweets from all the different characters well <laughs> twitter's tweets we can't, we can't say that yet can we it's weird to say tweets now isn't yes. it yes <laughs> uh but yeah I was surprised that they had it with the game. We were all skeptical playing it because of the streaming lag, but once we saw that everyone got calibrated initially and it worked, we're like, oh, wow, this is actually really good. Um, Unlike the other games, though, you do need audio for this. You cannot play this on mute, Uh... as I realized. (laughs) Of course you tried that. (laughs) Of course I tried that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there is kind of a visual cue of, like, the sound um, wave going, but if your visual cue is off from the audio cue, you're going to get a low score either way. Yeah, Uh, That does seem more of a game to play in person, but other than that, I mean, at least they got it working for streaming, and it's about a very, really short, like, two rounds, five-minute game. Yeah. So if you fail at it, that's okay. You can either go right back into it or jump to a different game. Yep, it's true. So it's a fun pack. Ooh. I mean, I think there has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to actually recommend this, but I think, like I said, I think TKO and uh, Fixie Text and Time Jinx will probably be the ones you play more of than the other ones, especially TKO because we love TKO drawings. Oh, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yep. I'm glad it's a good one for the most part. For the most part, you know, out of five, three out of five ain't bad. No, yeah, that's the majority, turns out. Yep. <laughs> but
1: let's clear clear the runway because we have two big games to talk about. Do you want to go first or do you want to hear about Mario? Uh
0: let's I'll go first. We have t- two huge IPs to talk about. Yes. And I'm gonna start with what I have been proclaiming since it was announced that was coming out this year. Yeah. as my future game of the year, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> it's so here. after
1: you've now gotten your hands on it, you've played so, what I assume is several hours of it. Um, oh, yes, because
0: I've been streaming several hours of it. <laughs> do you still feel confident in saying that? Uh, yes and no, mainly because this year has been a stacked year for games. Absolutely. Stuff that came out. um, From Final Fantasy to... uh spider-man to mario which we'll get to in a bit to um zelda earlier this year it's just been a stacked year for games and Mm -hmm. where spider-man 2 ranks on that uh i will have to see by the end of it but so far it thrust me into why i really liked spider-man from the ps4 Mm -hmm. which was four years ago four years ago yeah 2019 game Mm -hmm. um because that game came out of nowhere. It was a surprise success for everyone. And because it made you feel like Spider-Man swinging through the city. Well, much to no one's surprise, Insaniac is back at it again with the same kind of feeling. But you get to play as two Spider-Men, which is why it's called Spider-Man 2. Because you get to play as two I, Spider-Man. I
1: don't think that's why it's called Spider-Man 2. I think it's called Spider-Man 2 because it is the sequel to the game Marvel Spider-Man.
0: Okay, well, they're Spidey bros. <laughs> Well, it's not called that. No, uh, because you probably lose the Spider-Man IP if you call them Spidey Bros. (laughs) Uh, But you get to switch between playing as Peter Parker and Miles Morales, each with their own unique different um, skills to unlock. But -hmm. they also have a shared skill tree, which I have quickly unlocked for all the traversal stuff, because, of course, you want to be able to traverse throughout New York City Mm -hmm. and uh, the different boroughs of uh, Brooklyn and the Bronx. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and Queens, I think. Yeah, up there. So it's added, basically doubled the map in size from what was the original um map for New York Island to now include more of the boroughs. Uh, I do wish, however, that the story of when you switch was more poignant. Because right now it feels like you close the end of one chapter or at least one story like you get through a, cha- a section in an arc and then it ends and feels like a good conclusion and then you switch over to see like okay now we're back over here to the other Spider-Man and see what's going on with him instead of what would have been cool as like a cool transition of they meet for a battle or like a, a team up and then you switch over to the, to the other one so it's like a continuation of the story not here's one that ends and now we have to go over here and pick up where this one where another one begins.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Though that may just be my God of War brain talking because that was played in a single and what felt like a single take, so you could go easily go from one to the other in a smoother transition. Um, other than that, there's a lot of surprises in this game, especially the way it opens with a huge city-wide boss battle, which kind of makes sense because you have to find a way to both knock out the power and knock out all the stuff that you unlocked before. Yeah. So what else do they do a giant boss battle throughout the city? Um fighting Sandman. That's not a spoiler, it's just right in the beginning. And just throw sand everywhere. Like, oh no, all the electronics are messed up because there's sand everywhere. Yeah. We gotta unlock everything again. <laughs> It's a really smart really kind of in tongue cheeky way to like how you reset the world. Uh, but I don't get how you also like end up resetting your powers and abilities and gadgets that way. Mm-hmm. I think there could have been a better way of doing that. Um, but that being said, starting from square one and working way back up, it's the, the video game mechanic. There's not much you can yeah. do to like fight that. Yeah. At least give it in-world reasoning. Uh but Everything I, like I said, everything I liked about the first Spider-Man, I really like here. The sw- the swing mechanics are great. They added web wings in order to cross um the city real quickly. They've added um in a well in a the web the web wings uh work in the similar fashion to a um jumpsuit. That's not what I'm thinking of. Paragliding? Yeah, like a gliding suit. Yeah, like a glide suit. Uh because it's just cause two or like Far Cry, you think use the glide mm-hmm. suit as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. So same thing here. Um. But there are rings th- set throughout the city, to where you can catch a current and just zip through the city real quickly doing it that way. Uh. So the because the map is so much bigger, you need a way to do that before you unlock quick travel with everything. So mm-hmm. the, the ideas and mechanics between each game set have improved upon, and I really like what Insomniac did. As for the actual story, though, which is why I've kind of been like talking about everything but the story. Mm -hmm. um, Not a whole lot of surprises that I've encountered quite yet. Right now, it seems very note for rote in terms of we need to introduce, reintroduce some of the previous villains, reintroduce um, Craven from the trailer. We need to um, kind of more establish our main players. Uh, before we get into how they're all going to intermingle with each other, I do like that in the different story beats they do expand upon the world. There, it does feel like a bigger world that the um, Avengers Tower in the middle of it does play a bigger role. That there are, the, there is this feeling, and kind of a semi interaction of other characters and within the Marvel universe within the Spider Man. Game without directly calling them out or actually having them appear on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, one of the missions has you going to the Doctor Strange house because the uh, Craven the Hunter people are surrounding the house and you need to rescue them. Or you Mm -hmm. need to not rescue them, but you need to um, see what's up and stop them from attacking the house. And at the end, you get like a little like waking up that, like, hey, this is Wong in Doctor Strange's house. Like, thank you, Spider Man, for helping out. We owe you one or something. But mm-hmm. you don't actually like see them, so it's like, oh, like that's a good way and smart way to like make this world feel a lot bigger while also not having to actually like show or pay licensing to have them show up in your game. Yeah. Uh yeah, i will be interesting to see where this ends up on my end of the year list. It's not immediately jumping off as like a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. must play, but as for a sequel game, it's definitely one of the more polished versions that we've seen in a sequel game
1: okay um so a couple things uh one yeah i had also heard that that seems to be how everybody's kind of at with the story is that it seems to do occasionally interesting things but for the most part i don't see a whole lot of people talking about the story being this great spider-man story It
0: kind of does kind of
1: repeat a lot of thematic elements we've seen before with spider-man
0: right especially coming off the first game which felt like it introduced a new villain in mr negative it kind of introduced miles morales as well as a second character but overall in building up to its own version of the sinister six in that first game
1: although uh there are some theories about it's because this is going to lead to a third game Of a planned trilogy, and so maybe that's why there's a little bit of spinning wheels kind of happening. It
0: would not surprise me. Yeah.
1: Um, The other thing I've heard, though, is that the smaller moments are better. I've seen a lot of people saying that the side missions are actually where it's at in this game, as opposed to the story missions. Have you been doing a lot of the side stuff?
0: Uh, not as much as I typically would do, which is mm-hmm. like try and do everything within an area before going onto the same mission. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to do like a story. If there's something that happens along the way, whether it's stop this car or put out this fire, or hey, there's a picture over here to do. Um, I did come across in my stream uh, the other day where I stopped by and helped a up and coming photographer, and it <laughs> led into this side mini mission of a throwback to when peter parker was first trying to get a job at the daily bugle it's like oh it's kind of cool like flashback like in in moment and then like it brings you like it's it's a nice little side mission kind of like a slice of life yeah um that that's in there so stuff like that is nice to see it does kind of like do a good job of like breaking away from the action and be like oh yeah like these are like fleshed-out characters with, like, full-on backstories and stuff, while they're also mm-hmm. trying to, like, help uh, the people of New York.
1: Yeah. So it seems like it seems like some people have found some um, enjoyment in those, so it seems like they're better than they used to be, which is good, that they actually paid attention to making those smaller stories still mean as much. Mm-hmm. Um, the other question I had, so one of the biggest problems I had with that first game was the stealth missions when you took control of people that were Spider-Man, like Mary Jane and to a certain extent, Miles Morales, uh, before he kind of became Spider-Man proper. Um, I understand that there are still some of those story missions in this game. Are they as egregious as the first game? Is it going to be more moments of frustration in stealth? Or do they are there fewer of them? Or how do they approach that? So this
0: time? I haven't gone to any non-Spider-Man stealth missions. Mm-hmm. But the actual Spider-Man stealth missions that I have when I am Spider-Man have gotten a bit infuriating because <laughs> I try and do what it wants me to do. Yeah. But then someone far away will spot me and start shooting at me and like, okay, well, abandon stealth. Now let's just brawl. <laughs> um, And yeah, the actual combat and moving around, I don't remember it for much from the first game, but you gotta dodge, you gotta parry, you have to Mm -hmm. You can't just button mash, attack, attack, attack. You have to um, be able to dodge, use your gadgets, get out of situations in order to heal or defeat all the enemies. Um, Mm -hmm. That or, you know, level up your character so you do more damage.
1: (laughs) Well, um, okay. Well, it sounds like uh, you'll probably spend more time with it. I bet this is something that you're not far from do- being done with. So, uh, no,
0: no. But um, I have been streaming it um, on yeah. Twitch.tv/mediaboat, and then I've also been posting um, when I'm done a little photo on our Twitter <laughs> X page as well.
1: I have noticed this. Yes, so some yes. fun photos on the Twitter on mediaboat <laughs> at uh, at mediaboatcast on Twitter. Check it out if you want to see those. All right, cool. Uh, well, I guess we'll report back if you have anything, uh, any new feelings about it.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think I like where the story is going so far. I just don't know, like, if they can keep this up. I mean, it's Insomniac, I assume they can keep it up, but at the same yeah. time, yeah. once you get to the end, will you feel satisfied? Well, I guess we'll
1: see in the n- end-of-the-year lists. Yeah. In the meantime, what will definitely appear on my end-of-the-year list... Let's talk about Super Mario Brothers Wonder.
0: All right. So last time we talked about a proper Super Mario Brothers game was Super Mario Brothers Odyssey.
1: Yes, that was that a long was time ago. Seven years ago? Uh six. That was twenty seventeen. Because okay. twenty seventeen was the last time that Nintendo released a Mario game and a Zelda game in the same calendar year and blew up everybody's game of the year discussions. Well, it's happening again in twenty twenty three. Uh, everybody was, you know, lauding praise on uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and rightfully so. Just because it wasn't for me does not mean that I can see from the outside that it's a very quality product that made a lot of people super happy this year. It seemed like that was your guaranteed Game of the Year winner. This year's Elden Ring, for sure. Um, And yeah, fair. Like, but in a year, like you said, with so many bangers, it's going to be really hard. I mean, just this year alone, I've said... Probably three times that I thought I knew what my game of the year was. At the beginning of the year, Hi-Fi Rush. So much fun. Such a cool idea. I thought for sure, this is it. I'm done. They made a game for me. But then there have been so many other moments like that. Like I had that moment with Diablo 4. I had that moment briefly with Starfield until I didn't have that moment with Starfield. And I had that moment most recently when I finished up Goodbye Volcano High. Like, this year has been just so crazy with the level of quality, and it's not even over yet. I still have pre-orders, uh, Wear for the WarioWare game for the Switch, which is surely also going to be great. It just doesn't stop.
0: Not just that, you're also missing a bunch of the remasters, like Dead Space, like Metroid yeah. Prime, like Fire as Emblem. 4, as 4. I also really
1: enjoyed this year. Like, it's going to be very hard to come up with a top five nevertheless a top 10 this year, it's going to be a struggle. But that is all to say that Super Mario Bros. Wonder is absolutely in that conversation. It might be the best Mario game that they put out in a very long time. I've had more fun with Super Mario Bros. Wonder than I had with Odyssey. It's that good, folks. Like, we don't, like, just dismiss that people are talking about it in such glowing ways, because they're telling you the truth. This game is something special. Like it's called Wonder for a reason. In a lot of ways, but in case somehow if you've been felt like under sleep, asleep under a rock or something, and you don't know what's going on here, it's a proper Mario platformer. It's 2D, like the Super Mario, like the new Super Mario Brothers games. Except, unlike the new Super Mario Brothers games, they've taken a lot of attention to detail. And this means the animations, the backgrounds, and every level. Because every level has a new mechanic called the Wonder Seed that will transform it in some way. And they take full advantage of making the transformations unique and fun every single time. There hasn't been a single level where I came out of that level being like, well, oh, that was kind of boring. I didn't really get that. Which happens a lot, especially in the 2D Marios. I want to note. I am not very good at 2D platformers. Like, I know everybody thinks Super Mario World is the best game ever, and I believe them, sure, I bet it is. But I play through, like, a couple worlds, and I just hit a wall because it's just too hard. I I am not somebody who can intuit that kind of design very easily, and so I usually struggle with platformers like the classic Mario games. Wonder has figured out a way to keep that carrot on the stick going. Every level is so inventive and so fun and so colorful and so magical that I want to see the next one as soon as I'm done with one. It has that bite-sized WarioWare feel almost where you're like, oh, I finished that thing? Well, cool. It was so short and I enjoyed it so much. I am 100% ready and on board for the next thing because I know it's also going to be short and bite-sized and amazing. And by the time I finish that, I'm going to want to keep going. I have played this game so much because of that feeling. It's also the first time that I've really taken advantage of the dock on the Switch because I'm somebody who traditionally just plays Switch games docked. I'm not a portable guy. This has really changed that for me because I like this so much that I will play it during the baseball playoffs. I will play it right before I go to bed because I'm just like, I need like a couple of more bite-sized levels of this game. It is that amazing to play. It helps that it's also... Super great control-wise. Like, if you're worried at all that a Mario game in 2023 couldn't like work in the way that like the classic ones and your nostalgic rose-colored glasses did, it delivers in almost everything that you do with Mario and the other characters, because that's the thing, is you can play as Peach, Luigi, and Daisy, Toad, Toadette, any color Yoshi. And it all plays exactly the same, except for Yoshi has the flutter kick. But it's like a way you can play your favorite character without necessarily making sacrifices. But where they do t- change the gameplay, and this is the other thing besides the Wonder Seeds, which makes this game really special, are the is the badge system. So basically, this is a way to customize your experience in a way that you couldn't customize it before. You can choose to equip one badge per level. And that will change something in the gameplay. For example, there might be a badge that you put on that lets you bounce off of falling down a cliff once, just once, so that way you don't immediately die. This is great for people who say aren't great at platformers and want to have at least one failsafe before they completely lose out and have to restart their progress on a level. Or there's one that makes you do the charge jump from Super Mario 2. So you crouch down long enough to do like a really t- high jump. Or there's one that lets you do an extra wall jump in case you're like trying to get to really tall spaces. Or there's even weirder ones that I haven't even unlocked yet, from what I understand, that really change the dynamic of playing through a level. That customizable ability in this game, like custom, custom customize. What am I trying to say? The ability to customize. Customization, customization, thank you. uh, Makes it so that way people who aren't as experienced or worried about the difficulty level of a game like this will have an easier time. Or the flip side of that. If you put on a badge that potentially could cause issues in the level that you're playing, then you actually increase the difficulty. It's kind of like the um, stuff in the post-game of Hades where you're kind of increasing your difficulty levels uh, to earn better like, like it's better rewards. It's kind of a similar kind of mechanic. You're really tailoring the gameplay to how you want to play it. So, yeah, I'm just having such a good time with this thing. It is probably my favorite of the Mario platformers I've played, and I've tried them all at least once, Uh, but it's just such an amazing, wondrous experience. And it's just, like, got a vibe that I didn't expect from a Mario game. It's it's just so fun and so funny. It just feels alive, the world that you're in. And, yeah, and I even played it with Christy. Christy had a blast.
0: It's, uh, yeah, it's it sounds cool, like they've cool. done a lot to improve the accessibility of the Mario game. Yeah. Um, especially the you can customize it. And you're right. Um, When you're talking about the customization of going into levels, it didn't remind me of Hades, where you can add mm-hmm. the different heats to it. Yeah. Um, but you're leaving out one big <laughs> surprise, and I, I need to ask about Mario Elephant.
1: <laughs> yes, there. Uh, one of the new power-ups in this game is an elephant power-up, and it's just a perfect example of the crazy things that this game does. So the elephant, you'd think, just means like, oh, so you're you're like stronger or you're tougher. But it's more than that. The elephant has little tiny abilities that you wouldn't expect it to. Like if there's water nearby, the elephant can store water in its trunk. And you can use that to water dry plants that can unlock more special things in the levels. So it gives you an extra kind of reason to have that power than just having the ability to be a little bit stronger as Mario. There's also a drill power that lets you burrow underground or on the ceiling to unlock things, maybe, or dodge enemies if you don't want to deal with them. Um, There's several new, uh, and and the looks of these power-ups change depending on the character that you're playing. It's like they customize it to the character, which is extremely cute. Um, One thing I didn't talk about yet is the online stuff. And this is actually one of the potentially most interesting things about this game. And you wouldn't even notice it unless you actually turn it on. So, It does have online co-op with friends, but Super Mario Wonder is a Strand game. And what I mean by that is, if anybody remembers Death Stranding, one of the hooks of Death Stranding, yes, you're probably wondering, what the hell is he talking about Death Stranding in relation to a Mario game? Bear with me here. One of the hooks about Death Stranding, a game I never played, but I thought was interesting in its mechanics, is you could place, players could place things in the world that other players who never meet these people could see, and say that could help them in gameplay. For example, oh, this part, this path was really hard to traverse, so I had cre- I built a zip line, and every time another character plays my zip line, they can like it, and I will see it. I will see like I have a hundred likes on my zip line because a hundred people, in their own separate games, used my zip line and appreciated that I put it there. So Mario Wonder has a version of this. So similar to the new Super Mario Brothers co-op, uh, co-op experience, when you die and there is somebody else playing with you, you become a ghost and somebody can revive you if they touch your person before a countdown elapses. This works in single player now if you're online because you'll see ghosts like p- semi-transparent versions of actual players who are playing the same level you are in real time. <laughs> And if you touch them, you get revived, just like you would in co-op. But then, this is where the Strand part comes in. You can buy a standee of a Mario character in the shop and place it at a place in the level that you think, perhaps, was really difficult and you might need a revive in. Say, next to a pit that you could easily fall down, or next to a real tough enemy that could surprise you. You put a standee there, and then if somebody else dies, and hits the standee with their ghost, they will be revived as if it was a real player. And there's a like system built in, just like Death Stranding, she has a little counter next to a heart that shows how many times another character interacted with that. And so even if you don't buy those standees, there are other ways you can interact with other players. Like if you somehow, this has happened to me a couple times, if you end on the <laughs> ending flagpole at the same time as somebody, you'll both have hearts over you and you'll notice you have got a little heart points for just happening to be finishing a level at the same time as someone else. The end result is it creates something that feels like a communal experience, even though you're in completely separate places and you've never met this person in your life. It's a really cool mechanic and it helps me so many times. If you're not playing this online, you're missing out on the ability to revive yourself in really key times it saved me in a lot of crucial moments and it's such a cool idea
0: now you do need a nintendo online account to access it yes, though right that is true for 20 bucks for the whole year
1: yeah it's a pretty good deal though for what you actually get out of it um it's just so charming and the little flowers that talk to you throughout the game are so cute and funny and it just has such a personality and such a vibe to it it's just such a blast and I'm loving every single second of it. It took me like three days of playing it in spurts to finally hit a level that seemed really difficult for me. And I'm still excited to come back even after that because the game design lets you choose, just ignore levels that you are having a hard time with. There's enough options and Odyssey did this as well, there's enough options in how you approach getting the unlockable items to continue progressing through the game that there can be entire levels that you can just leave alone. You could just never touch if you don't want to because it's still, there's other opportunities to get the currency you need. And so having that flexibility and, customize, and customization is just why this game is to me an all-timer already. Like it's just so much fun.
0: So I think I realized why because you like the power-ups and you like Kirby and Kirby has the power-ups does it feel like a Kirby game because it sounds like you're talking to me about a Kirby game
1: a lot of people have pointed out the similarity the things that they've learned from other platformer series and Kirby is definitely one of them especially like that drill power-up reminded me a lot of Kirby mm-hmm. also the 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 idea of customizing and tailoring the experience is very Kirby especially what they did with um Forgotten Land um a lot of people have also compared a lot of wonder to remember the Rayman Le- Rayman Legends platformers from fifteen years ago or so. <laughs> a lot of people say that there's some exper- there's some um, inspiration happening from those Rayman games, and I'm like, yeah, I can see it. Those were pretty good games. So uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, there's just I can't talk more praise about this game. Like, it's just so been so much, so much fun. Uh, and the year's not over yet, but uh, it's gonna be kind of hard to top this experience for me.
0: I mean, there's only what two months left before we have to finalize our game of the year lists getting up to the up to the edge there. but yeah uh, that's,
1: I'll finish there because yeah, like there's there, I could just keep going, but I know we have
0: a rest of the show to do. Yeah, uh, last question. you mentioned how people can leave stuff like strands. Can people also leave like posts and notes?
1: No, it doesn't get that in depth. It's still very much a platformer. And so you're meant to kind of just go through these levels pretty quickly. So it's really just the standees. Uh, but the sandies are such a cool thing that it's like, it's interesting to see Nintendo even take cues from these new ideas that are coming out of designing around online games, taking advantage of games being online all the time. Uh, so the fact that a Mario game is even doing that now really shows you where we're at with game development. Like, there's a lot of collaborative uh, picking and choosing from different inspirations from across all sorts of
0: genres, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Sounds like you found your um, dopamine hits.
1: Oh, yeah. It is nothing but it's just constant constant believe,
0: constant wonder,
1: if you will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm sure you'll be talking more about Mario Super Mario Brothers Wonder yep. at the end of the year. But hey, I think we spent almost an hour on just video games.
1: <laughs> I knew we would. Yes. Yeah, so we
0: started there. Anything long. else in video games before we move on?
1: No, I think that's it. Uh, Mario is pretty much on everything this week.
0: All right. Then let's move on um, back up to the top here, as we normally yep. do. To the music section. We start the music yes. section with the billboard. We start the billboard with the Hot 100. And you know, it might be October, but it's, for some reason, it's yeah. still a cruel summer, because Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift, your number one song, yes. in the land.
1: Finally, after four years since its initial release on, on Lover, uh, up till now, it finally did it.
0: I saw Apple did a um, "Cruel Summer" only album list of uh, like three different versions of "Cruel Summer."
1: So yeah, Taylor put that out herself. It was a remix, yeah. and also the audio from the Eras Tour film of the performance of Cle- C- "Cruel Summer." Yeah, I thought that
0: was weird. Yeah, and I thought it would be like like question like, wait, did she put out the entire Eras Tour album in sound out form? She should. No. But she has she not has. done that yet. I mean, she will probably once it's out of theaters, but yeah. yes. Uh I'm, she's gonna do it at the beginning of next year. So she has, she has something for 2025. Perhaps. 2024. Uh at number two, paint the town red by Doja Cat. At three, Snooze <laughs> by Sisa. At four, I D G A F by Drake. Featuring Ye, and ready at your top five, Monaco by Bad Booney. Yes. As for your album chart, your Billboard is 200 at number one. Um, I'm glad you're making me read these. Yep. Nadie sabe lo que va a pasar mañana. <laughs> by Bad Bunny. Yep. Is your number one album. Uh, congratulations, Bad Booney. At number two, For All the Dogs by Drake. Uh, At three, The Name Chapter, colon, Free Fall by Tomorrow Cross Together. (laughs) Uh, At four, Zach Bryan by Zach Bryan. And rounding out your top five, Set It Off by Offset. (laughs) Yes.
1: But yes, Bad Bunny is surprising no one is your number one record this week. Because of course it is.
0: Because of course he is. Yes. Um, also, it doesn't hurt that he got the SNL bump or yes. SNL debut. Uh, if, if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases starting with Chronicles of a Diamond by Black Pumas, House and Trance by Crime in Stereo, Action Adventure by DJ Shadow. Uh, we also have a throwback for your mom, I think <laughs> Danse Macabre by Duran Duran yes, that Duran yes, Duran that Duran Duran uh, we have a media boat favorite, <laughs> The Silver Cord" by, not other than King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard with, I believe their 10th album of the year that's too many uh, we also have Zig by Poppy Rob or sorry Robed wrote Robed Roped. Robed in Rareness by Shabazz Palaces 152 by Taking Back Sunday. Yes, that taking <laughs> back Sunday. Yep. Uh, History books by the Gaslight Anthem God Games by the Kills, Jenny from Thebes, by the Mountain Goats. And lastly, Hold by Wild Nothing. I think you're missing and something. Nothing else of note comes out this week. Oh, wait, am I missing something?
1: Yes, yes, you are.
0: It's not the 13th, it's the 27th. <laughs> it's 27. Okay. 1989. Yes. Taylor's version. Yes, by I... Taylor Swift. Yes, comes that out this, this Friday as well.
1: That'll be the biggest release of the week and probably your number one record next week. Surprising no one.
0: Um, yeah. Is it only the biggest release because Taylor's actually smiling on this album.
1: <laughs> yes, if you ask the fans. That is why.
0: That is totally why. And <laughs> it's not because she's smiling because she's dating Travis Kelsey.
1: Yeah, maybe. maybe. maybe.
0: All right, but you mentioned but she uh, is doing the NFL promotion tour with it. As they keep showing her because she keeps showing up at games.
1: Yep, it's true. Um, but you mentioned Bad Bunny uh just a moment ago. Uh he's in the news this week.
0: Well, I didn't mention I was forced to mention him <laughs> because he not only had the number one album this mm-hmm. week, but uh he had the number one album around the world. So through the year, so though the year is beginning to draw to a close, bad bunny is gearing up for his grand return. From wrestling, into (laughs) music, starting with uh, the feat of his latest trap-leaning Nadie Sabre Lo Que Va A Pasar Mañana, becoming the number one album in the United States.
1: Quickly, uh, can you translate that for me?
0: Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow.
1: Aha, thank you.
0: The reggaeton (laughs) star claims his third Number third consecutive number one this week with 184,000 units sold, according to data provided by Illuminate. Mr. Booney is (laughs) solely responsible for three of the four all Spanish language albums to have ever hit the top of all genre inclusive albums chart. The other one being Carol G's, Mañana Será Bonito which joined the list earlier this year. Along with hosting and performing Saturday Night Live this past weekend, uh, Bunny's Nadia album came attached to a North American tour announcement because, of course, it did. The first sign of wrapped-up activity in the coming year after claiming 2023 (laughs) as his year of rest. And by year of rest, (laughs) I do mean putting a rest on some wrestlers because that's exactly where he was
1: <laughs> yeah he's everywhere right now between snl and his wrestling appearance plus being on the top of the charts plus touring the world this year
0: it's plus doing to no cap for ufc or <laughs> was it wwe 2024 yeah. yeah no he's
1: everywhere and yeah like goes to show you like he's not going away anytime soon he is one of the biggest stars on the planet right now and he knows it and he's taking advantage of the that peak uh, by being kind of everywhere you look. And you know what? Good for him. Seems like people really enjoy his music. They enjoy his personality. Uh, they enjoy his uh, predilection for, um, what's her name? Uh, Kendall Jenner. Um, <laughs> you know, like he seems like he's everywhere. As you do, yes. <laughs> you <too. laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what could possibly slow this guy down, but if this is his year of rest, I'd like to see a year where he's not resting.
0: Well, you know, considering that he wasn't allowed to get hurt while he was wrestling. <laughs> on his own accord. Or sorry, not yeah. of his own accord. Because he did do his own flips and jumps and stunts and stuff like that. But, <laughs> you know, as actors do, as professional um entertainments goes, yeah. um, he does make it very entertaining. He puts definitely capitalizes on the entertainment factor. Not necessarily maybe the sports factor, but definitely the entertainment factor. <laughs> All right. But yeah, um, congratulations, Bad Mooney. Um, your tour is in the mail. <laughs> uh, speaking of stuff that's in the mail, have you gotten your copy yet? Of Britney Spears's Tell All uh, new book, The Woman in Me.
1: So I actually have an
0: answer for you
1: to this question. We did not buy it, but what we did do is we... Got it at the library. We got it on Libby, so we got it on. Uh, just uh came off of hold yesterday, and so Christy and I are going to start reading it tonight.
0: Nice. Well, as mentioned, that book is finally here. The two hundred seventy-five page memoir, mm-hmm. uh, memoir, uh, oh. Miss Spears chronicles her journey through pop stardom and her highly publicized conservatorship battle without skipping on the details. <laughs> the book is dedicated to her two sons, but the pop icon penned a special note to her fans in the acknowledgments. Quote, You have my heart and gratitude forever. This book is for you. End quote. Uh, Spears credits her fans with giving her strength in the darkest hours of her fight for freedom. She goes on to write, Uh, in the book. Quote, I don't think people knew how much the free Britney movement meant to me, especially in the beginning. I was not okay. Not at all. And the fact that my friends and my fans sensed what was happening and did all that for me, that's a debt I can never repay. If you stood up for me when I couldn't stand up for myself, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. very sweet. Nice.
1: Uh, nice. Sweet. So yes, uh, as people are starting to read the book, some little bits and pieces are coming out of it. Uh, of course, we recommend you actually reading the book uh, instead of just gleaning everything from news stories. But some stuff has already come out about uh, her response to Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River video, uh, that kind of era of her association with him up to the recording of her album Blackout, Uh, which was a rare moment where she had creative control over her music during the conservatorship, Um, and little bits and pieces from the conservatorship and how hard that was for her to deal with, as well as stuff about her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, and their relationship with her father, which has been storied over the years as chaotic, to say the least. Um, So yeah, the book is on shelves now. If you're curious at all, pick it up. But uh, yeah, it seems like it'll be a fun thing to dig into and see... Where her mind was at during all this stuff. Also, fun fact the audiobook version narrated by Michelle Williams. That Michelle Williams? Not the Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams. Oh, oh, Michelle okay. Williams, the actress. <laughs> just yes. To be clear. Because <laughs> I saw somebody's asked that question <laughs> on Twitter and they were like, oh, wait. No, not that Michelle. <laughs> there you go. That's your answer. So yeah, it seems it seems um uh, yeah, interesting. We'll be able to dig into that yeah, soon. I have
0: read uh, some of the headlines. I haven't gone down to the articles. I kind of want to get the book. I mean, this is kind of mm-hmm. something that like we did live through and kind of right finally see the other side, the tell all, the behind the veil, behind the curtain, the what actually happened, like how Britney Spears felt and chronicled it herself. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting time, especially because as being both male and young and impressionable at the time, we got all of our news and sources from not just our friends, but definitely from gossip, definitely from media mongers and outlets. So yeah. to hear Brittany in her own voice, mm-hmm. um, albeit, I want to assume, a bit edited down, because perhaps 75 pages, while a lot,
1: is you not feel long like for if a memoir,
0: no. Yeah, I'll say that sounds like part one of a memoir yeah. that something that Britney Spears went through. Yeah,
1: so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to dig into. Yep. But speaking of digging into
0: things, yeah, we got to dig into. Well, it's not gonna be dig because this thing isn't really deep. No, no. <laughs> it's not. I'm talking. I'm gonna talk one more time about Blink One Eighty Two. I'm gonna shock you. This album.
1: I'm gonna one shock more time. You. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I listened to this as well. Oh, today. you did listen to this at today. Well, because well, okay. you didn't have it on here when I first started editing the doc. And I went, like, Paul, well, I have some time. <laughs> Let's see how this thing is. And then by the time I logged back in, you had written it down. I was like, all right, cool. We both listened to this. All right. So, yes, well, this is one more time the new Blink 102 record, or as I like to call it, Back Together for the Kids.
0: I mean it is. This is uh once again.
1: Never mind.
0: <laughs> this is just um all original members back once again uh to record an album. But that being said, it's called one more time because they're doing it like uh they're back in the studio. Um, but they are older. And this <laughs> did remind me a whole lot of that California album that came out uh yeah. seven years ago. Except this time it's 16? Tom
1: Delog. It's it's Tom DeLong this time, not Matt Skiba, though.
0: Yeah, but does that make a huge difference in the songwriting or the (laughs) content? I'm going to say yes and no. Because, yes,
1: I agree with you. It's a lot like the last few uh, Blink-182 records, which is to say they're older and they can't really do what they used to do. Um, But where I think that it does reflect that the lineup is back to normal is the fact that the Tom DeLonge songs sure sound a lot like Tom DeLonge's other bands, don't they? Oh, yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the result at the end of the day, at the end of the record, I should say, is it feels like being pulled in like seven different directions. It feels like there's no cohesiveness to the thing. And they had so many different ideas of what sounds they wanted to do that they did all of them instead of doing one in, like consecutive like idea throughout
0: well they have the one song that they released earlier this year Edging which they also performed at Coachella probably the yes, worst song I know. on the record Huh?
1: probably the worst song on the record if I'm being honest
0: uh, yeah but it's the one that they decided to release and Somehow. it did sound like old Blink-182 I but know. then again it's, it sounds like old Blink-182 with an old Blink-182
1: Yes, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And not the elephant power-up from, from Mario Wonder, either.
0: No, um, no Tom this is sounds age.
1: Tom's Along sounds old. And I think we had yes. this conversation when we talked about the most recent Angels and Airwaves record last year. Mm-hmm. Which I actually kind of enjoyed, more than I thought I was going to. Uh, but on both records, he does sound different than he used to. Um, you know, the man has lived a lot since... Uh, the two, early 2000s. Um, and so, yeah, he's gonna sound a little different than he did on Blink-182 classics like All The Small Things and uh, and I Miss You and all that, you know, the classic songs you think of when you think of Blink. And so, yeah, it's kind of jarring at first to hear his voice the way it sounds now um, coming out of a Blink-182 song because I do have to give props where it's due instrumental wise and sound of the song, like the like the way the actual songs sound, it is impressive what they can pull off at their age. Like it is they can still do a muscular sounding pop rock sound. Uh kudos to Travis Barker especially whose drumming is just relentless on this record. Um, I read a review in which one of the, the the things that they said was there's not a single like empty space that is not filled with a drum roll like some sort of drum fill. Just mm-hmm. Barker's all over this thing. Just every second has some sort of drum thing happening. um, And it's just kind of, it really makes you like, honestly, like respected the talent of these guys. They're still very talented musicians. They still have the ability to play their instruments really well, but the vocals are just, yeah, they're lacking and it's not their fault that it, that's just the way it is. But yeah, if you're looking for that old school sound, you're going to be missing something.
0: I mean, you're right. In the vocals, it does feel like a half step, but definitely in the music and the the tone and the genre, I mean, they're just like they were. They're still playing, like you said, Um, Travis Barker, Like when he's not drumming, he's just like, oh, like, whoa, why am I not drumming? You got to hear me drum. (laughs) There are
1: moments where I think there are some good moments on this record. I will not say it's 100% not worth anybody's time. I think if you've ever liked Blink, Uh, there's stuff to be gleaned from a few of these songs that I think will be great additions to their catalog. Will be fun to play on the road when they do festivals like the upcoming When We Are Young Festival, which will be great because they have a song on this record called When We Were Young. Yep. Which is a little (laughs) much. Um, But yeah, uh, so like they very much know what they're doing. There are some moments that that you can say oh yeah, no, I like this. But they're balanced out by moments of "What the hell are you thinking, guys?" Uh, which I definitely asked a few times.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, you mean when you got like to the end of the album with a crack called "Fuckface"? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, these are, let's let's be fair. These guys, you
1: know, they they once recorded a song that was just them cursing every curse word that they knew. So, like, we should expect a certain level of uh, of this from every Blink record. But these guys are in there. What late 40s, early 50s at this point, if not older,
0: they're older than us. Yes, yeah,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, they were older than than we were when they were recording that third Blink 182 record. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been like it's just they, weird are, they
0: probably got a good decade on us, I would say.
1: It's just for a band that's always been very aware of their age, like their first hit literally said I can't it, I guess, say they've been aware up. of their age
0: if they have a hit called what's my age again yes
1: and then you know of course what's my age again it's been a subject that they've brought up throughout their discography it's always been something on their minds to so to hear them when they're actually getting older still talk about stuff like uh let's say uh fucking a girl in church um it's weird it's this weird like just juxtaposition of who they are as family men with like kids that are getting older like and like combined with this like juvenile persona that they've developed throughout their career. It's a weird thing to wrestle with. And I think this record especially doesn't feel like it's balanced at all. Like I said, it just feels like it's pulled in several different directions. Are, do they still think they're young? Are they embracing their older years? Do they, are they like, I'm just getting confused mixed messages from the members of Blink here. Um, Like, do they wanna be a band still? Are they having second thoughts about the very idea? There's a a song here that I really don't like. Uh, It's the name of the record, One More Time, uh, which is a ballad, really sappy ballad that specifically references the fact that they are recording together. And it has the most, in my, opinion, in my opinion, the most embarrassing part of the whole record, which is, of course, they sing I Miss You in the chorus because, of course, they want you to think about the classic, like, 182 song. It's just like, I just felt like it's just too hammy, too, like, trying to grab the nostalgia. And it didn't work at all for me. And I think that really is emblematic of how this whole record feels. It's like, you guys can still do it. And I wish you guys would just embrace. Being a good band on your own strengths, with instead of doing things that you aren't anymore, that you used to be good at, that you can't pull off anymore, or weird sonic experiments like trying to do a new wave song that you really don't need to do. Like it just, it's confused. It's a very confused
0: record. It, I mean, yeah, it, it being a, a confused record, don't get us wrong, it's just something that's that you should probably listen to for yourself being a Blink-182 fan, that it does still have those nostalgic bits in it like you mentioned. It does but, as you mentioned, it also does feel like at times, grasping at straws. Um, So, listen for it yourself. Your mileage may vary, I think, heavily on this. Mm -hmm. Just like Blink-182's mileage may vary as they're going to try and milk this thing (laughs) as it being a band.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we will see what's next for them. but. For now but in the
0: meantime
1: this thing exists. Yeah, did you listen to anything else? Uh no, that's pretty much it and we'll of course talk about Taylor next week. So strap yourselves in for another
0: I don't know 15
1: minutes probably talking about Taylor Swift next week.
0: That's next week's problem, but hey, we got this week's episode to finish yes. up
1: and we of course continue the podcast by talking about television and we always start television with the sports corner. We start Sports Corner this week with something that's happening right now, folks, which is Game 7 of the Phillies-Diamondbacks Conference Championship Series. Ugh, I this, so this
0: means that both series went to Game Sevens.
1: Yes, both series went to Game 7. It was back and forth all week. Uh, the Phillies were surprised by a resilient Diamondbacks in the last few games, which has brought the game, the series to Game 7. Meanwhile, in Texas, you're face-off face between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. Well, turns out the Astros can't play at home. And this ended up being their their undoing yet again this year um, as they took all three road games and then immediately lost again when they were back in Houston. So the- Baseball
0: prayers have been answered.
1: (laughs) So the Texas Rangers will continue on to the World Series, but we will see tonight whether the Phillies can pull it off against the Diamondbacks. Uh, I honestly don't know where this one goes. It feels like it could go either way. It depends on which Phillies we get tonight.
0: Currently, Arizona is up one zero as we go to the bottom of the first. Okay. Um, but yeah, this game will decide if um or sorry, where the Rangers will then go. Will they go east to Philly, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. or will they go west to Arizona?
1: It'll be interesting to see. Um, additionally, uh, some I saw a lot of people pointing this out on Twitter. Uh, if this is a Diamondbacks Rangers World Series, which it could very well be, and a Blink One Eighty Two record is in the on the charts, then hell, it's two thousand one all over again, baby. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's move on uh, from baseball. To talk about the WNBA. As we predicted, you can pick up your phone. The Las Vegas Aces did take the championship. Which means that they are back to back WNBA champions. So congratulations to the Las Vegas Aces.
0: Congratulations. This downlings that the town of Las Vegas now has three championships uh in the span of what?
1: <laughs> Five years. Two months, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they have, it's like, yeah, like they waited forever to have teams. And now they have teams and they're really good, turns out.
0: Yeah. So congratulations. I mean, probably were like 13 months. I was because yes. like, that the, the hockey one happened this past year. So, yeah, yeah probably been of thirteen months. you now have three championships,
1: not bad at all. and a terrible football
0: much. team. Well, soon to be a terrible baseball team. okay. We'll see about
1: that. <laughs> we're, we're probably, yeah, we're like, what? two two and a half weeks away from getting all the baseball uh, postseason news. So get ready, strap in.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, even when they do finally break ground for uh, the new baseball mm-hmm. season, they're not going to be there till 2028.
1: Right, but we'll at least hear maybe what the plans are, which is going to yep. be
0: wild. Anyways, meanwhile, the NBA
1: season will start this week, today, actually. Um, first right now, actually, as this talk yeah, is going. Your first matchups are the Lakers against the Denver
0: Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns against the Golden State Warriors. So That's right. LeBron and the LA Lakers yeah. are taking on the NBA current NBA champions, Denver Nuggets, yeah. and they're currently getting spanked, sixty <laughs> to forty-eight. Yeah. Well, no, twelve points is not technically getting spanked, but I mean, it's not know, not getting spanked. I mean, especially when you're still in the first half, yeah. you, you give up sixty points uh, um, to uh, Nikola Jokovic, uh, yes. the reigning MVP and um, NBA championship team. Yeah. Well, so, yeah speaking... They got the banner raised. They got their rings. Their mm-hmm. stupidly fat nugget of a ring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're the nuggets. They got to live up to the name. And um, then uh, Phoenix Suns versus Gold State Warriors because um, screw the East Coast, you don't get a uh, no, an opening game. Apparently. I guess not.
1: Well, the opening, uh, the the what do they call it? The tip it? off. The NBA yeah. Tip off is like a several day affair apparently. So yes yeah so we'll see um i just want to mention real quick i I forgot to tell you this last week christy had never seen the kid who says lebron james the video the vine yeah so she has finally seen it and she is obsessed with it now she keeps yeah she keeps saying (laughs) lebron james
0: now all the time I'm just like wow you're so late to the party you're so late you could have just been a laker fan this entire time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, she refuses. She's all in on the Pelicans, baby.
1: <laughs> New Orleans Pelicans, here we go.
0: Is, is that because they, they remind her of uh, like a Pelipper?
1: <laughs> a no, that's cute. I didn't think about
0: Pokemon Pelipper.
1: Well, that just sells me more on them. I believe their first game is... <laughs> uh, tomorrow. Week. Oh, is it tomorrow? Okay.
0: Yeah, but most teams play tomorrow for the NBA. Meanwhile, in the AHL, they all play tonight because, yes. is surprisingly... Um, in order to combat NBA tip off, NHL Frozen Fury Day, where they are dropping the puck every fifteen minutes on a different game across the U.S.
1: Damn. Well, if you're the uh, San Jose Sharks, you're happy for another opportunity to win because you just finally got a win. You were the they were apparently the last season of uh, the last uh, team to get a win this season so far. No, no,
0: no. They are still the last team. They still have zero wins.
1: Oh well, that's not what it says here.
0: Um, but I'm oh, sorry, should, should I add still? Still, yes. Uh,
1: so yeah, maybe they'll, they'll be relishing. Uh, I
0: mean, eventually, yes. Today. The plan is they will eventually yeah. win a game, but then <laughs> this will not definitely change the fact that they will be the last team to win to get a victory this year.
1: So, shout out to all those uh Ducks fans who are very thrilled with this news,
0: anyway <laughs> Yes, and shout out to everyone in the drunk shark, drunk tank, shark tank, because <laughs> keep drinking. <laughs>
1: Oh man, I really hope um that, that reminded me. Um, did the Diamondbacks go into the Diamondback pool when they won the last series? I didn't I didn't trap I believe
0: them. so. He they did. went and jumped over the uh yeah. center field. Yeah. Are they gonna
1: do it again today if they win? I would hope. I mean it is tradition.
0: <laughs> yeah, tis. Do the you the just Phillies... don't let the Phillies run yeah, into do the, the pool? Phillies do it if
1: they
0: do it. <laughs> no, the fans will block them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh let's move on and last oh, oh, league... they can't, they're in philadelphia they can't run to the pool <laughs> they're not even
1: so they lost the opportunity to celebrate yes the they pool. lost it last
0: last night rats anyway or two nights ago yeah two
1: nights ago uh let's talk about the last league that we're going to talk about today which is the nfl last year's super bowl teams are the only teams with just one loss Meanwhile, the Miami Dolphins have been selected for in-season Hard Knocks this year. So if you weren't done with Hard Knocks, guess what? There's another one, and it'll be about the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, they tried this last year with the Colts. Sorry, two years ago with the Colts. And then last year with the Arizona Cardinals, and now they're doing it with the Miami Dolphins.
1: All right. Um, Will you be watching this.
0: Probably, yeah. <laughs> More so than last year, because um, the Cardinals are in division, and they just didn't want anything to do with them. Want anything to do with that. But at least, and plus, they were like already like practically eliminated, so it just felt weird. But with mm-hmm. the Dolphins, they actually have a good team. Yeah, um, they put up tremendous points. They're the ones that put up seventy points uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're absolutely
1: um, in contention.
0: Yes, they're going to be in contention. They're probably going to make the playoffs. So it's going to be. They actually picked a really good team to follow this time.
1: It sounds like it. Um.
0: But hey, we'll see if they um can take on both. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. As Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift, as she's rooting for both of them because she's both an Eagles fan and a uh, Arrowhead Kansas City Chiefs fan. She
1: might be the only person who is both, uh, I
0: mean, besides Donna Kelsey. Yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly. And everybody in that
0: suite. And you wonder why <laughs> they bonded <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, you wonder. All right, any other sports news before we move on? Um, There is some speculation going on about the University of Michigan and possible sign-stealing, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with a staffer who purchased tickets to non-Big Ten games Interesting, because the University of Michigan would be playing against them in upcoming matches, and he didn't buy one ticket. He bought two tickets, exact opposite sides of the field,
1: uh-huh. facing
0: exact opposite sides of the benches. Yikes. Um, you know, they found this out when he used his own name to purchase the tickets in a very rare and dumb move that you if you this is true, <laughs> why would you purchase under your own name? You use pseudonyms. Yeah, if anything. If anything, you okay. purchase a gift card. <laughs> like yeah. the criminal you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be watching that story, I'm sure, as it as it uh, Well, we'll see
0: if there's any fallout from it.
1: <laughs> anyway. So let's move on then, out of sports news and into television news proper. And our first story is a little crossover with the video game section, as we're going to be talking about some Fallout.
0: You're probably Not asking... from the, the University of Michigan.
1: I was going to say Fallout over what? Thank you, thank you for the set, uh, uh, the, the 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 slam dunk there. Prime? No, we're talking about Prime Video's highly anticipated live-action TV series adaptation of the video game franchise Fallout. Well, we finally have a date. April 12th, 2024. Which is the 26th anniversary of Fallout Day. The day that, I guess, the first Fallout games
0: came out? Is that what it is? Uh, Is that the date? I believe so. It sounds right. Yeah, 98.
1: Yeah, 98. The original PC game. So, in case you don't know what Fallout's about, Fallout set in the future post-apocalyptic Los Angeles and is based on an original story that is part of the canon of the games. But beyond that, exact plot details is under lock and key. The show, which has been in the works since 2020, hails from Kilter Films and executive producers Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, the team that brought you Westworld and The Peripheral. The, the series peripheral casts... is also
0: on Prime Video. That just yes. wrapped up.
1: The series cast includes Ella Purnell, who was in Yellow Jackets, Walton Goggins from The Hateful Eight, Aaron Motton from Emancipation, Kyle McLaughlin, you know, Kyle McLaughlin. Yes, that Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, Chrissy's going to go crazy. She might actually have to watch this if Kyle McLaughlin's in it. (laughs) Leslie Uggums from Deadpool, and Zelia Mendez-Jones from The Wheel of Time. So pretty good cast, pretty interesting setup. We'll have to wait till April of next year to find out what's going on in Fallout.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, basic premise for those that don't know is that there was there are vaults. Yes. Spread across the U.S. from Vault Tech in the case of a nuclear fallout. Yep. Well, there what happened? There was. But, yeah. And people were shoved and sheltered into these uh different Vault Tech uh safe houses, which planned to open up at various dates. This yep. one being in Los Angeles. I'm going to assume, opening in 2024. Yes. To whatever world or wonder shall behold them. I'm sure
1: that Amazon Prime is crossing their fingers that they have a Last of Us style moment with this show. The Last of Us proved that there's an appetite for adaptations of video games like this. So uh, yeah, this could be good. This could be high quality. Uh, really don't know quite yet. A lot of people liked Westworld quite a bit. I didn't hear anybody talking about the peripheral. Uh, so we'll have to see how Fallout does.
0: Uh, it will be interesting to see what does happen because this is an original story. But as mentioned, needs to stay canon to the current games. It's fascinating because I don't know how that's
1: going to happen. But I guess Nuka Cola is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Nuka Cola is everywhere. Get ready for that. All right, let's move on to our second story, which you anime viewers will appreciate. Crunchyroll was in the news this week uh, because Sony has inked a global distribution deal with Amazon, bringing the anime streaming service to Prime Video, but don't get too excited yet. This will let you access Crunchyroll's library of 24,000 hours of content from the video platform via Prime Video channels, Followed by our additional, uh, which is already available in the US, Canada, Sweden, and the UK, followed by additional territories throughout 2024. This basically means that Prime members can pick from two Crunchyroll membership plans, a fan plan, which is $7.99 a month, or the mega fan, which is 9 dollars a month. Both plans allow for ad-free streaming, but mega fan subscribers can also download titles for offline viewing with, quote, additional non-video benefits to be added shortly. For Amazon, the distribution deal for Crunchyroll is part of its strategy to make Prime Video a one-stop shop for multiple streaming subscriptions all available through their single Amazon sign-on with no extra apps to download. So, like I said, don't get too excited. This does not mean that this becomes a feature of your Prime account. What this does mean, however, is you can bypass downloading a Crunchyroll app and instead, from within Prime Video, access Crunchyroll content as long as you're paying
0: the subscription fee. So, Uh, I mean, yeah, you have to... If it doesn't come with your prime video you do have to additional purchase content. the additional content yeah. um i'm trying to remember doesn't Crunchyroll roll with uh max though no as it stands right
1: now Crunchyroll, which is a sony owned property which is why right. it hasn't done any deals with other streaming services until now uh, was a standalone service I'm thinking of Studio
0: Ghibli, yeah.
1: Yes, so Studio Ghibli films appear on Max. There are some crossover with Hulu and Crunchyroll with some anime shows being distributed as well as some anime shows being on Netflix that are also on Crunchyroll. There's some crossover happening on several of the different streaming services. But the unique thing about Crunchyroll is the fact that it sometimes will co-stream shows as they premiere in Japan. So it's still the thing to get if you are anime diehard who wants to see stuff go up the same week and want to follow new seasons of shows as they're happening. So if you're interested in that and you don't have a standalone Crunchyroll uh, subscription and you already have Amazon Prime, then this is an option for you. Uh, but this essentially does the same thing as just signing up and downloading the app itself. So it's up to you. Yeah, but it's interesting but like, that
0: they're doing it. But as the news story goes, the Amazon is trying to do this one single sign on where you can access everything just going to Amazon. Yeah, it's smart. We'll see if it actually pans out. But this is part of that plan of why go to other sites, as Amazon likes to say, We you can just yeah. buy it from us.
1: Why go to five or six stores when you can just shop from one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Referencing a lot of old YouTube videos today. Uh, let's move on to, to some thoughts. You watched a Netflix show, speaking of Netflix. I did. You did. You have that written down.
0: Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that forgettable, huh?
0: Uh, well, see, it is kind of real because it's Big Mouth Season 7. Yes. I know what you're thinking. They did seven seasons of Big Mouth?
1: I am still just in awe of the the legs that this thing has.
0: Especially because all the characters are really short. (laughs) (laughs) Also, there are in middle school. So, if the middle school lasts for three years, and say you do a season is half a a semester, and there's two semesters, that means after six seasons, you got to go where? To high school, right? Maybe. Well, that's exactly what they want to do. (laughs) Season seven is not really a season in itself. Dealing with school, but more of a prototype of what Big Mouth season 7, eight, nine, 10 <laughs> could be, as I'm sure they're on the bubble <laughs> uh, in terms of getting canceled, but also I'm sure that saying, hey, don't cancel us just yet, because we can do high school stuff now, they're going into high school, they're going into like actual um, sexual exploits, like actually getting into the nitty gritty, but also exploring their friendships that kind of die out and grow between middle school and high school. That transition between tweens to teens, to growing up, to finding your own interests, to maybe breaking off some of those friendships, going to different schools, adding different interests, becoming your own person in high school. That's what Big Mouth Season 7 is trying to sell you on for the future of Big Mouth and -hmm. why you should keep watching. But that's what it is. It's all a big sales pitch. It's all a big prototype of, hey, we can do this and this and this. Even so much that says, hey, we could do Big Mouth International as it does a literal showstopper and says, we have Big Mouth in several different languages. And you know what? We're going to show you that Big Mouth happens around the world, Netflix, that people watch us around the world, because everyone experiences puberty around the world, and we're going to actually show you in, in graphic detail and in musical format, because we're still a musical, uh, we like doing show tunes, how big, big Mouth is influential around the world. It's all a big sales pitch. Yeah. It's, because the big thing happening like within the characters is just they're graduating and they're getting ready to go to high school but they actually go to high school at like season at, like episode 10 at the very end so you don't really get to see them in high school but mm-hmm. they do the um, like middle school to high school like transition like hey come we'll show you around high school did you ever do that where like they bust you like in eighth grade to the high school and you're like hey yeah like we're gonna show you around so you know what you're what's happening when you come here next year yeah. They do that for a couple episodes so it shows like it's always it's just showing like hey we're done with all the middle school stuff please netflix keep us around so we could do like the, all the high school adult action that we kind of wanted to in math right
1: right and it could happen considering that where we're at animation animations the only thing that was in production this season like yep. they could still animate shows uh so yeah i don't know you might see more of it because of that even though i i thought they were shutting this thing down after this season
0: i thought so too yeah. but if they get more people to watch this and like i said it just felt, felt like a giant sales pitch whereas season six did feel like a proper send-off to the characters like it felt like it ended Where i thought they did season seven i'm like wait i thought this thing ended why is this thing showing up and as, under as new releases now yeah and i was like hey we have a new season i was like I saw you ended. What is this?
1: Somehow it's back.
0: Somehow it returned. Somehow it returned. <laughs> Somehow Big Mouth returned.
1: Uh, yeah. So, is it still worth checking out if you've enjoyed it in the past, or is if you've gone through six seasons of this thing, you might
0: as real. well watch season seven because, sure. like I said, it is a sales pitch to basically be like, "Hey, we're kind of we want to transition to like the the more teenager high school stuff that." We know where sexual exploits can happen on a more consistent basis, not this kind of pity footing around puberty and making it like a colorful, wonderful experience that everyone goes through. You Mm -hmm. kind of get into more like a nitty gritty, not just in puberty, but also in dealing with relationships and dealing with growing up, being your own person, setting yourself up for a future beyond high school. So, yeah, still... Like showing that, hey, we're not yet done coming of age because <laughs> we're not yet done growing these characters.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see if they're done or not. I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: Only matter of time. All right. Anything else on television that we want to talk about this week?
0: Um, I am watching something else, but I will talk about it at the very end. It's called Lessons in Chemistry. It's on Apple TV Plus. Mm,
1: yes, the Brie Larson yes. thing.
0: Yes, stars yes. Brie Larson. But holding off on um, talking about it because it's based off a book. Mm. And my doctor just so happens to be reading the exact book. I see. Because when I showed her, I'm like, hey, we could be watching this. It's new. And she's like, wait, hold on. Reaches <laughs> over, grabs a book. You mean this? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Wow. It's one of the things. It's been sitting right next to me this whole time. What? <laughs> she's like, oh, wait, is that what that book is about? <laughs> But yeah, Lessons in Chemistry, Um, the Brie Larson is a chemist, becomes a cook, Mm -hmm. becomes a chef, becomes a mogul of, molder of women. Right. Um, That is on Apple TV+. Plus. I'll be talking about that when it concludes.
1: All right. Sounds good. With that, let's move on into cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching, although I don't believe you were watching this in the first place. The problem with Jon Stewart on Apple TV, it has been canceled after two seasons.
0: Uh I believe that did was up to get a third season. Um mm-hmm. uh, I thought they did say they were gonna get a third season, but then cut it, short. They, cut it short, they pulled it.
1: Yeah. Also, the eighth season of Elite on Netflix will be its final season.
0: So Yeah, that is already filmed. It's just gonna show it. Um Next April, so that will be its last.
1: Yeah. Uh, renewals this week though, we have Sweet Magnolias getting its fourth season season on Netflix. The recently premiered Gen V, uh, will get a second season on Prime Video, and because
0: it's from the boys.
1: Yeah, and everyone else burns on the CW will get a second season.
0: That is the show that's taken from the CBC in Britain. It already got a second season over there. Just confirm the second season over here. Over
1: here. Got it. Right With that, that does it for television. And we can move on to movies. And we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. And yeah, I called it. Um, So I'll pick up the phone this time. Taylor took a second week at number one here. Taylor Swift, The Era's Tour, is your number one movie again with $33 million, adding to its $131 million total. Number you mean two $13.1 million. Haha, I see what <laughs> you did. Coming in at number two though, Killers of the Flower Moon, which made only $23 million in its first week. So not as yep. not as great as people thought it was going to do. But you can only play a three and a half hour movie <laughs> so many times in your theater. <laughs> turns out. Coming in at number three, the Exorcist The Believer with another $5.6 million. That's at $54. Number four, Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie with a $4.4 million gross this week. That's at $56 million. And right now, your top five, The Nightmare Before Christmas and a special 30, 30th anniversary showing made $4.2 million this week.
0: Apparently $4.2 million worth of people wanted to see The Nightmare Before Christmas in mean, the big screen.
1: A lot of people like that movie. I am not one of them, but a lot of people do like that <laughs> All right, speaking of new movies, though, we have new releases this week, two of them. Five Nights at Freddy's, at long last, the movie based on the hit video game that kids love with all the uh, jump scares. Finally out this week, uh, just in time for Halloween, so there's that. And then also this week, Freelance, which I'm not sure what's up with Freelance. You got that synopsis for us?
0: Uh, it is an action comedy starring Alison Brie, Alice Eve, John Cena, and Christian Slater. Well, well I don't know I, if you can I see can John Cena no, uh, no, like acting can. in it. You can't. You it can't. says he's in the movie.
1: Well, I'll believe it when I, you know,
0: see it. Well, you know, <laughs> you can also see the other movie that's supposedly getting a wide release called Sight. Sight. <laughs> I can see Sight. Yes, you could see Sight, or you could see. C freelance,
1: or you can C. see C that show C is Jason Momo in C or is he in you? I always forget he's in C. No, he's in, he's C. in C. C.
0: Yes, and which one's you? Uh, that is um, sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh, he's in you, yeah, <laughs> he is you. Sorry, <laughs> anyway, Paul Rudd is you,
1: he's you, he whereas
0: you. uh, Zendaya is Michi
1: exactly. Thank you,
0: <laughs> thank you for finishing that up.
1: Let's move into movie news. Uh, Our first story takes us to Paramount, who has uh, moved some of their schedule further back. Starting with the next Mission Impossible film by nearly an entire year, from its original date of June 28th, 2024, to a new spot on May 23rd, 2025. Like other films of its size and scale, the eighth Mission movie was forced to halt production amid the ongoing SAG After Strike and won't be completed in time to open next summer. Mission Impossible will arrive on the big screen with a new name as well. Paramount and Skydance have agreed to drop the second half of its title, formerly Dead Reckoning Part 2, though the sequel will still follow the events of this year's Dead Reckoning Part 1. So you'll have a movie that's called that for no reason.
0: Or, you know, they'll they'll do what they did with... uh... Edge of Tomorrow and just rename it for uh for release. Yeah. I'll just say for DVD release, but they're canceling those too. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for digital release, that probably will just be Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning.
0: Yes, and yeah, drop so. the part one part. Well, we'll which see. Which is what they should have done the entire time. I
1: know. As part of this move, A Quiet Place Day 1, which is a prequel to A Quiet Place, the 2018 post-apocalyptic hit, That will be rescheduled to June 28th, 2024, instead of its previously scheduled date of March 8th. Meanwhile, an untitled SpongeBob SquarePants film has been postponed from May 23rd, 2025 to December 19th, 2025 to be a holiday release. Currently, there looks to be a flurry of films still set to open Memorial Day next year, such as Mad Max prequel Furiosa, a Garfield film, and Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, continuing yes. the long running tradition of planet of the apes movies having way too many of those in their name.
0: Yeah, of course. Also, um uh, I'm pretty sure that is an animated Garfield film and not based on the president.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's about the cat. Yes. It's <laughs> not a, you know, it's not a biopic about Andrew Garfield either if you want to get the trifecta. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, All right. Our well, next story. As we're talking
0: about Paramount and being delayed films because of SAG AFTRA, hey, yes. do we have a deal yet? <laughs> no,
1: the answer is no, and we might not have one anytime soon because four CEOs, the CEOs of Disney, Warner Brothers, U- NBC Universal, and Netflix, are currently set to return to SAG AFTRA headquarters on Tuesday with a new offer. That was, I guess, today. Yes. A new offer that they hope will break the stalemate in the 102-day actor strike. Among them will be Disney's Bob Iger, who is eager to get a deal done as soon as possible in the hopes of salvaging next summer's box office and some portion of the already-in-progress 2023-2024 to 2024 TV season. The talks broke down already on October 11th after the union proposed a 57-cent-per-prescriber's fee on all streaming platforms, which would cost the studios roughly $500 million a year. We talked about this Last week, the AMPTP said that would present an untenable economic burden, unquote. Meanwhile, Fran Drescher, the president of SAG-AFTRA and everyone's Danny, has argued that the dramatic transformation in the entertainment business model requires a dramatically improved compensation structure, so it is unlikely that SAG-AFTRA will back down. So yeah, I think honestly this is just another recipe for another breakdown in talks. I do not think the AMPTP is going to come to the table with a deal that good. I just, I have find it extremely hard to believe judging by how they acted last time.
0: I mean, they come back saying 49 cent per subscriber, <laughs> you <laughs> I know, put an actual number to it than <laughs> just saying no.
1: Yeah. I'm curious on, at this point, anything could happen. I mean, we had, you know, a surprise win for the writers in their strike. It could happen again here out of nowhere in similar fashion but i just judging by how much they were refusing to budge last time i don't know if the producers are willing to pay that much but we'll see
0: i mean we'll see i mean as the wga saw i mean they got their deal i know it's hard for well, i don't know it's hard but it's when when you sign like a big check away you don't want to turn around and sign another big check away.
1: <laughs> Typically, no, you know.
0: Typically, no. But then, hey, guess what you do if, if you're one of these big CEOs? You can then turn around and say, "Hey, all you subscribers, pay us more because now we have to pay them more."
1: Yeah, we really don't want that to happen either. So we'll see what happens.
0: Anyway. Yeah, we'll see what happens as the streaming wars uh, continue. continue.
1: In the meantime, what's not continuing is this show, because that will do it for the Media Boat Podcast. But don't worry, we'll continue the show going forward, and we'll have another episode next week. Here's how you can watch it. If you want to watch it in video form, you can go to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com and search Media Boat Podcast. There you'll find our channel. Like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications when a new video comes up. If you want to listen to it in audio form, classic style, kick it old school, like it's 2001 and the Diamondbacks are in the World Series, you can do that by listening to us on podcast services of your choice, including Amazon, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and even Spotify. If you want to follow us on social media platforms, we're still on Twitter and we refuse to call it X, at MediaBowcast is our handle there facebook search media boat podcast and you can find us there twitch.tv slash media boat is where you can find mike playing some spider man too if you want to see his adventures as your friendly neighborhood spider person you, you can, can thwip, also flip with me exactly flip with him he needs a flip buddy um and you can also find us on mediaboatpodcast.com for an archive of our show whip buddy sounds yeah that sounds like a sex act doesn't it I don't don't (laughs) love that. I don't love that at all. Uh, You and your thwit buddies can tune in to mediapodcast.com to see an archive of our show. And in the meantime, that will do it for us here on this fine October afternoon. If you want to see us next time,
0: we'll be on Halloween! We'll be back with more news, more thoughts, Taylor Swift, 1989 1989 version. Taylor's
1: version is here.
0: And Halloween with us next yeah. time.
1: So get ready. See you guys next
0: time. All right, bye. Bye.